Talk to me live exclusively on the I Am Cody Willard app. Available at the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Download it now. Whoa, no, boo, we get a clue. Yo, do I blew your mind from to you to Soho. Cody Willow, New Mexico, Lobo, Muddy Souls. Get around like hobos. Yeah, we be tearing it up. You gon' get it. How you giving it up? What do you Cody Underground, the podcast. I'm doing a live Q&A here with my Trading with Cody subscribers. Anybody on the conference call or on the app, live streaming here. I've got an interactive live streaming feature on the I Am Cody Willard app. Download it at, at, for iOS or Android. On the call first, I give you guys first bidding here. Barry or anyone else who I heard dial in. Okay. A question that's pure speculation. Love it. Let's hear it. Do you, do you see? Do you see uh, Apple when autonomous vehicles become ubiquitous, becoming like Uber because they could just put an app on their phone and there'd be no loyalty to Uber, and then you get in and everything synced. Do you think that's a market to enter? That's an interesting thing because, because I mean, there's no you have to pay drivers. You know, now the only thing. Preventing other people from competing with Uber and Lyft or driving, or when self-driving cars. So I get what you, it's an interesting concept. You're getting at two different things, and both somewhat speculative. I mean, one's definitely going to happen. The driverless car revolution is happening. The idea that people, um, especially yeah, especially in when you're hailing a ride, um, there will still be people who drive for joy, of course. But um, you know, in in ten, twenty years. Um, I think 90% of our travel will be, um, on some sort of a driverless vehicle. I mean, 90, what, probably 80% of our travel is routine anyway. So that routine, your routine travel, you'll probably end up in some sort of driverless car. So it's going to be a huge market share. So would the question sort of then from there becomes specific to Apple. And that's where we get speculative is because you're looking out five or 10 years and, Wondering if Apple will invest in creating a putting a bunch of driverless cars on the road, and especially in big, in major cities, and mm-hmm. and becoming Uber, um, displacing right. Uber. The I don't think so, frankly, and here's why: Uber and Lyft. Um, Shout out to Lyft. I've got a great call uh, call with them next week with their driverless people, actually, um, talking about their driverless dashboard entertainment. I met with them when we were at CES when I was there with Neil. Uh, we did a driverless ride in a Lyft car. So driver, Uber and, dry, and, and Lyft are funded to the tune of billions and have probably access to tens of billions of dollars in coming years. And they are heavily – they know that that's their future, and they're investing in this thing tremendously, and they've partnered with all the major car vendors already. And Apple – I just – I've always been – if you followed me for five or ten years, it was probably, or 15 years, but you know, however long I've been public, writing in public maybe. But my point being, maybe for the last five or six years, people have been talking about Apple doing driverless. And I've been real skeptical about that. I never thought they would release a driverless car anytime soon. I think they are interested in being a platform inside of driverless cars. Um, But 
I, another company I met with that's active, uh, which partnered with Lyft and their driverless cars. And um, I, what they're doing already is amazing. And they have invested a lot of money. And to catch up with these companies that are racing to driverless, Apple's way behind. So it would let's put it this way. It would take an acquisition of someone serious. And you're talking to... Uh, an acquisition that's 10 times bigger than anyone that Apple's ever done beats being the biggest acquisition that Apple's ever done. And if you've, you got, there's, there's just no, Apple would again. Okay. So Apple could spend $20 billion and buy a driverless car platform company. um, And that would just be 10% of their cash of Apple's cash. Mm -hmm. So it could happen. Um, it would take an acquisition, right. I would think, and I, I don't know that Apple's. I don't know that whoever's going to be guiding. No, just finish this. I don't know whoever is going to be guiding Apple is going to have the guts to do that. Right. You know, I mean, they're all. Tim Cook's been a manager, and before him, mm-hmm. Apple. Steve Jobs was, of course, a trailblazer, but. In between the time that Steve Jobs was CEO originally and after he got fired, there were several CEOs that came through Apple, too, that just were scared. And they're not aggressive thinkers. And so it would be it would shock me, frankly. I don't think Apple's going to be big into autonomous vehicles anytime in the next five or ten years. What were you about to say last question or point that you had? Was that it? I thought I was going to let you say one more thing. Oh, yeah. Hey, Cody, this is Derek. I'm a new subscriber. Welcome. Thanks for joining Trading with Cody. Go to tradingwithcody.com and join if you have not. What do you got, my friend? I think it's trading. I made my first purchase with you on Calix. Uh, it's up over 5% in, in uh, a week or two. Do you still like it up here, and why is it up so much? Okay. Now, number one, I'm about to talk about a small cap stock, and it's only so far been talked about for trading with Cody subscribers from me. And sometimes when I talk about this stuff in public, the stock can move. And I don't know that anybody listening actually heard the name of the company that you said, so I'm going to leave that be. If you're trading with Cody subscribers, you know probably what he just said, and if you didn't, you can email me and I'll tell you the stock we're talking about now. But I'm not going to just throw it out there in public because it is a brand new thing for trading with Cody subscribers, and I am going to publish this on YouTube after we finish talking. I'm not doing it live on YouTube right now. So with all that as a caveat and precursor, the company you're asking about just signed a an agreement with Verizon. They are a supplier to telecom companies a fiber optic supplier to telecom companies, a passive optical network fiber optic supplier to telecom companies. And all that to say that, look, so when you sign a company with the world, with America, North America's largest telecom company, Verizon, and the potential is there for it to become a, this is again, a small cap company that's doing a few hundred million dollars in sales right now. There's the potential for this thing to do Ten times that if Verizon actually implements and distributes this passive optical network um, that this company is supplying into the Verizon networks. Now, 
it helps 5G is the reason they're doing that. And so Verizon's going to spend 10 or $20 billion investing in 5G in coming years. So absolutely, you want to capture, as I like to say, there's 5 or $10 billion of cash flowing into 5G spending infrastructure from Verizon alone. And Cali- uh, the company I'm talking about is putting their bucket out in front of this the, that spending. And that's a good thing. And the thing the, the, so the stock popped a little bit on that news. The reason why it didn't pop more than a few percent, five, ten percent from where we started buying it last week, um, when this Verizon news was announced this week, the reason it didn't pop more is simply because it, we don't know how much Verizon's going to put it and build and on this company's products. We just know that they're doing a trial and that they're implementing it and that that's a very good sign that Verizon is going to be using this company's products. So that's why the stock is up a little bit. And then to your next question, look, almost all of my revolution investing, my trading with Cody approach to companies like this um, is longer term. I'm, I'm not trying to capture 5 or 10% move. You know, I, I, I'm, I've got stocks that were up 10,000% on, 600% on in the last two years on NVIDIA. And, you know, if, if I had worried about the first 5% or 10% move after I bought it um, or tried to sell it or been scared to buy more or something, you know, I mean, you miss the 600%. You miss the 1,000% move. So you got to be patient. We're not in here for a 5 or 10% move. And I also, the other thing I would say about that is, this is why I like to spread my purchases out over tranches. I don't like to buy everything all at once and throw in all of my, I, I like to spread it out over time and over price. And sometimes that means paying up a little bit on the second or third tranche. And sometimes I get to buy more lower after I've bought some. And, um, you know, so yeah, I, I, I might buy some more of this company, do another small tranche in the next week or two, wherever it's at. Because if it works, it could be a five or 10 bagger. And if it doesn't work, I think it, you know, it could be down 30, 40, 50% from right here in the next year or two. Um, This one, unlike most of our investments, is a small cap and it is a binary outcome. So it's either going to go up a whole, whole bunch or it'll drop quite a bit. And most of our stocks are not quite that extreme. I mean, most, you know, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, I, I, everything's a risk, right? But I don't think most of those had that kind of, uh, you know, it's not like they were going to go bankrupt or something. And frankly, this company could, they've put all their eggs in this basket. And if Verizon and other carriers don't start buying this company's products and really investing and growing spending on them, um, you know, who knows what happens? It's a small cap company. It's dependent on one product, unlike most of our investments. Thank you, Cody. Thank you. And thanks for joining. Let's see if anybody on the app has a question. Partner in crime. What? Hey there. Hello, sir. How may I help you? question for you, uh, Cody. Yes, I'd love to hear it. All right. If I have $10,000 and I was going to invest it in a single stock today, what would that company be? 
I, 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 I got to get more information from you. You've got 63 seconds left in your question, so you're gonna have to, I'm going to have to ask quick. You're going to answer quick. Okay. Do, do we have a whole bunch of money elsewhere in stocks already and or in mutual funds already? Yes. Okay. So it's not like this is your one bet. This isn't your nut or something that you've been waiting to invest. It's not the nut. Because I would the answer to that would be to spread it out over a few. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick just one. Um, the the, the ten thousand dollars in one stock right now. Why do you got to put me on one? What I, I hate choosing one. Number one. So I, I'm going to have to go with three, even though if you want just one, because. Um, Oh, what the heck? I'll do it. Let's just look at the portfolio real quick and let me think about it. Um, what, two words for you. Bitcoin. Yeah. Kidding. Kidding. You're crazy about the cryptocurrency. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. Don't, it's a frenzy out there. I don't suggest buying Bitcoin right now. Um, <laughs> you know, one stock right now, I might go with Verizon, honestly. Um the uh, and or Intel. These are both companies that I've purchased recently in the last few months. Intel. What do you guys think? Maybe eight months, nine months ago, it was at thirty-three bucks. Maybe it's up to forty-five or higher. I don't even. I didn't look at it the last few days. Um, but it came back. It got hit recently for some silly. Well, not silly stuff, but there. As you guys probably saw those headlines, they had all kinds of uh, hacker issues and. The stock got hit for ten or fifteen percent, and as we talked about on these, on, on on trading with Cody several times and answering these questions, I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't think we re- would even remember that headline in two years, and the stocks come back since then. Regardless, look, I like Intel. I think the company could double or triple from here. You've got an, a, a good dividend. It was four percent when we first bought it, but because the stock's gone up and the dividend hasn't been raised yet, yet being the operative word, the dividend's lower than that right now. I do think uh, Verizon is also fantastic. I think it could double or triple in the next uh, five years, and that would surprise everyone. Verizon hasn't made a big move like that Um in years, and um, but I think 5G is going to be a driver for Verizon, and in the meantime, they generate a ton of cash, and you've got a nice dividend, four percent plus. It's the stock also is up since I first bought it a little bit, um, but um, those are two. Those would be two that I would like for the next uh, uh, three to five years. And if you want to be crazy and find a and risk that money. The one stock that we were just talking about that's available on tradingwithcody.com exclusively because I don't want to throw it out there. It's also actually a Revolution Investing Market Watch. Um, I put that in the portfolio there this week, uh, that same stock, so or last week. Um, that one. And uh, Mike, I'll talk to you about that one later and or you guys can email me at support at tradingwithcody.com and we'll resend you the trade alert from last week, which mentions this company that supplies Verizon, which could go up five or tenfold in the next three to five years. And it also could go close to zero, frankly, but I would hopefully have sold it long before it got to that point. You'll know in the next six or nine months if this company that is supplying Verizon is winning. And if it's not, then I'll probably have moved on. And it, you know, maybe I got a thirty or forty percent downside. Never, who the hell knows? Stocks can crash. You never know. Questions on the conference call and/or here on the app. If you're on the call and you want to ask something, or if you're on the app, 
I'm inviting fans to tap. The way this interactivity works on the app. Go ahead if you got a question. I'll talk about the interactive in a second. Yes, sir. What, what, uh, what are the catalysts behind the street uh, movement? What do you see in that? The, the recent hit that the stock took or the pop that it has well, taken no, no, since that we bought it? That doesn't, I'm not worried about that. I'm just wondering what drives it. I don't know much about it. I know it's like Jim Cramer's company. I don't know if he founded or, but I'm just wondering what do you see going forward and what's going to drive that stock and how do they make money? Okay. Now this is another small cap that I don't want to pop for no reason. So if you're watching this, don't rush out and buy the stock and all that stuff. And we've owned it since it was below a dollar. So we're up quite a bit on it already. I'm not selling any of it yet, but we are talking about TST, uh, thestreet.com, which, yes, is Jim Cramer's company. And the the reason I own the stock um, is the, they brought on new management, um, the new CEO, new chairman in the last year and a half. Um, David Calloway, the CEO, Larry Cramer, the chairman. I've known both of them for 15-plus years. David is a friend of mine. Um well, Larry, too, but I don't know Larry nearly as well as I know David. I've hung out with David off and on at money shows in New York. I've had scotch with him and with both Larry and David and the, what's that old, old, one of those bars there on um, on Wall Street. It's fun. Good stuff. I, and I love David. I, I just, I believe in him. I believe he's got um, that people that work for him. Um like to work for him, and I think he can come in and that company, and, and so then to further that. So look, the company does sixty plus million dollars a year in sales, and the market cap when we bought it was below a below thirty million, thirty million dollars or so. So I was trading at halftime sales. The company was burning a little bit of cash, but just any growth, any margin expansion, any um, tweaking of their costs would kick off potentially millions of dollars of cash. And on top, and then, and then further, the company had $30 million in cash when we bought it. So I was basically getting it for free. Getting it, the, the stock market was saying the company's never going to create any value. Uh, it was trading below the value of the cash, or at the cash. And so uh, when I bought Apple, by the way, back in March 2003, the first time, it also was trading at or below its cash balance, which is a crazy thing to think about. That's when it was split adjusted at a dollar a share, and they had like a dollar twenty per share in cash. Um, at the time, it was actually like a fourteen dollar stock, and it was trading at twelve bucks, um, something like that. But at any rate, I'm off topic. I'm talking about Apple. The, I was buying the street for almost free at that point. If David could come in and create, and Larry could come in and create any value stock would pop there's any million if they generate five or ten million dollars of cash you throw a 10 multiple on that company could have a hundred million dollar market cap plus cash 25 million that'd be you know a four or five time potential pop from where we originally bought it and now it's up probably 30 or 40 percent since then biggest reason why it's up since then is yes they've get generated some cash david's got that business turned around and i hope growing and on top of that they had a a convertible shareholder who um, had a, you know, they had to pay him 50 million bucks or something before they could sell the company. So they would never have been able to even potentially 
look at selling the company without being able to write a $55 million check on top of buying it, the company, uh, the, the equity. So um, at any rate, that was taken care of. That uh, convertible was bought out. And um, so, you know, there's hopefully some clear sailing here. Um, I wouldn't rush out and buy the stock, but I do believe that David's got this company turned and there's some upside if it works out. It's a small cap and very risky. Any penny stock, any stock trading at a dollar is, and I mean, clearly something's not right. Shouldn't be trading at a dollar if it's publicly traded. Um, and I mean, heck, the street.com had a multi-billion dollar market cap back at the top of the dot-com frenzy. If you own cryptocurrencies right now, just remember, there are a lot of great companies that even survived the dot-com frenzy that ended up losing 99% of their value, from JDS Uniphase to the street.com. And they're still around, not to mention all of the frauds and frenzy that was going on in the dot-com era. And there are direct parallels to the frenzy and bubble that is cryptocurrency right now. doesn't mean that there won't be cryptocurrencies and blockchain futures in in the future. And now I'm off topic again. If the street.com changed their name to the street.blockchain, the stock might go up like 500% tomorrow because we're in a frenzy. All right. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Wonderful. Any other questions on the conference call and or here on the app? Another partner in crime here. Hi, sir. How may I help you? Ah. Hi, Mr. Willard. I got all nervous. I dropped the phone. It's Ross the boss. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's going on? A question. You, you mentioned Verizon a while back, and the stocks really hasn't done much. What, what, should I keep it or should I, should I sell it? What should I do? That's what I'm saying. I like Verizon. I think it's a screaming buy right now, frankly. I think 5, 5G changes the trajectory of that company. If you've ever heard that phrase before, Ross, traject, changing the trajectory of their company. But that's what they're planning to do. Is tra- change. I, know the voice, I know the voice revolution one, but I before. That is, and, and frankly, that's part of it, right? So the voice revolution entails being able to talk to devices everywhere all the time. You're constantly connected. And... If you're going to be having, if you're going to be having, let's try proper grammar here. If people are going to have constant broadband devices and not just their phone and not just their computer and not just their TV, but everywhere you go, you got your glasses connected, you got Internet of Things, your refrigerator, you're watching the, the IM app inside of your toilet. I mean, we got revolutions going everywhere, man. And 5G drives that. And Verizon is the leader of 5G in North America. They're investing much more than anyone else in it. I think it's going to pay huge dividends for Verizon shareholders over the next three to five years, including in the form of direct, actual, literal dividends. But beyond that also, capital growth, stock growth. I hope. Could be wrong. Maybe 
Someone comes in, maybe it gets nationalized. What a crap. I'm going to tell you right now. There is 0% chance that there anyone in the Republican or Democrat regime, either side, is ever going to nationalize the 5G network in this country. These guys are owned by giant corporations like Verizon and AT&T. They're not going to do anything that Verizon and AT&T doesn't want them to do. So you don't need to worry about nationalization of 5G. Okay? Let's just take that off the table. It's ridiculous. Not going to happen in this world. Any questions on the call? Endor here on the chat. I've got questions from the chat room that I should probably get to. Hi, Cody. I hope you and your family are doing well. Read your trade alert yesterday. I bought some puts yesterday. Um... About what percentage of your total capital investment, approximately, I like that there's about and approximate because I really don't like to drill down to that type of fine line stuff, but he's asking, what type of your total investment capital approximately are you using to buy puts? I'm guessing only 1% or 2%. Thanks for offering a lifetime subscription. Go to trainwithcody.com. Save a whole bunch of money if you get on my lifetime subscription. And those of you who are already trading with Cody subscription, trading with Cody subscribers. Get, what are you doing? Get on it. Started offering that two days, and the slots are going fast. You better sign up soon. Um, it's a limited offer. Anyway, you've been an excellent stock picker. Well, thank you. Take care, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Um, uh, look, you're about right, even less than 1%, frankly. Um, I'm just getting started and doing a little bit of hedging. There are times I might own 1% or 2%, but um, as I noted in that trade alert yesterday, I'm just just putting a little bit of extra hedging and giving some potential, um, you know, like gain some, some alpha potentially if the market were to crash outright. Uh, not that I expect that. But if you had a good 5 or 10% pullback, so these puts could, you know, kick in. If you put half a percent in some puts slightly below the market that in two of the indexes or something like I did yesterday, and the indexes were to crash 5 or 10%, you could get a 300, 500% pop on those puts. And, you know, that'd be 2 or 3% that would then uh, kick in because obviously your long stocks would be getting hurt in that hit with the market pulling back. So your overall portfolio would probably be down anyway, but that's all right. I'm not trying to game, to game every nuance and every curve in the markets. Going back to your question, less than 1% right now. Um, Cody, the new tax law requires FIFO, first in, first out, accounting for shares sold. This could create large tax liability if you're trading around a core position. Is there a way to solve this problem? And then there was a whole debate. This question was actually in the chat room this morning. And then there was a whole debate from CPA, among CPAs and other people in the industry uh, debating whether the law actually passed with the FIFO accounting shares and all of this stuff. And the answer to your question is, look, that's not my specialty. I'm not an accountant. I don't want to be an accountant. I'm 
you know, I do try to avoid maximize, you know, try to avoid, I try to minimize my taxes like anyone else, but I, I don't let taxes wag the dog. Don't let the taxes wag the dog. So I'm not worried about FIFO and all of that. My doesn't change my playbook, and I don't think you could gain what it might mean for the stock market or if you were to try, although that's not even your question. But. Hi, Cody. Question for today. I noticed after reading a few articles on Aptiv, formerly uh, – I already mentioned Aptiv, right? Um, that some mentioned LEA as a competitor. Did you see LEA at the Vegas show? I didn't see LEA at the Vegas show, and I don't know anything about them. This guy goes on to mention that, uh, that LEA has a similar dividend yield to Aptiv, although the PE is at a 40% discount to Aptiv. Now, let's, that hits on a, a topic there that we should probably just hit on a little bit there of the what we're doing when we're going to try to invest in driver's revolution. And I've got a book coming out called The Driverless Revolution or something thereabout, and I'm going to have some stock picks in it. And I'm doing a bunch of research and meeting with these companies right now, and Aptiv is one of them. And I think um, the thing is that valuation is probably not going to be the biggest factor. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to buy the one that's going to be the Amazon. There's probably There are going to be three or four outrageous, you know, outrageous winners that dominate driverless cars. Um, but there will be suppliers into it that grow with this industry. And so um, if we can find a company that's truly going to drive the driverless revolution, pun not intended, we will, um, but it wasn't a bad pun. Um, I think we'll, we'll buy them. I, you know, valuation is important, but it's not everything, especially when there's a revolution to the size of trillions of dollars that's burgeoning, as there is in driverless right now. Let's see if anybody else here wants to jump in. Let's see if I'm even recording this. Yes. Podcast intact. Let's see here. Any other questions from the people on the phone or on the app? Got a couple more here in the chat room. Hey, Cody, this is Steve. And I was just curious what your thoughts are on the solar power industry in the U.S. going forward here. Okay. So as if you're a long time trading with Cody subscribers, Steve, which I think I recognize your username, been around for a while. Yes. You know I own First Solar and Solar Edge, and we've got some terrific gains. Solar Edge was our second or third best performing stock last year. That's saying something because we had a hell of a year. Um, First Solar also was a you know doubled tripled from its lows of last year and now trading above seventy bucks. Uh, so look uh, again, 
I think you're probably your theme. Your question has somewhat to do with subsidies from the Republican Democrat regime that they shower of instead of helping poor, hungry children, they send it to first solar and solar edge and uh, us shareholders. And um, again, I always fight that stuff politically, including the tone of my voice as I say that and how I phrase it right now. But the fact is that. I don't think those subsidies are going anywhere. And beyond that, I think First Solar has a business model here in the U.S. that is going to be dominant. Um, they've got the balance sheet to back themselves up. And I think Solar Edge has some technology that could revolutionize the solar cells, taking them from analog to digital. And, um, and so the subsidies matter somewhat, but the thing, the reason I own solar energy stocks isn't for subsidies. It is because I believe that solar energy is the future. I think it's better than any other renewable energy that we've got right now. And I think the cost factors, partly because of companies like Solar Edge and for solar driving them down with technology, the costs of solar are going to drop, Oh, again, another factor of 10. I mean, they'll be Solar will be a very big player in energy over the next 10 or 20 years. And I think these are two of the players that could drive that. So, good question. 43 minutes in, except I started seven minutes after. So, 36 minutes in. I'll take a couple more questions. I'm sure I got some more in the chat room. Here's a question. Cody, I heard about a company, Energis Corp, that recently received federal approval from uh, from FCC in its wireless technology. Do you have any thoughts about this company? Yes, I've written about it uh, in the last few weeks and several years ago, and I'm not a fan. Small cap that I don't trust. Don't trust at all. Looks awfully hypey to be kind about it. Most small caps... Micro caps that are publicly traded, pink sheets that issue a bunch of press releases but don't do much revenue. Be careful. Here's a question. Who's that poor, poor guy? <laughs> First of all, who's that poor, poor guy whose face you're covering up in the broadcast picture on the app? And is he still a friend or are you showing him the door? So if you go on the Cody Willard app and you see my user icon, it's me pointing and there's a dude standing and my hand is in front of his face. And I don't know why we use that image. I think I just tried. That was like the most recent image I had in my phone when we were when I logged in the first time on these apps months ago. And um, I'll update it so it's a better picture. Second, real question. You were kind enough the other day to mention three possible puts that could serve as a hedge, IWM, SPIs, and triple Qs, and then, in fact, dipped into IWM and SPY. You had defined the triple Qs as tech heavier. Was there a reason you didn't include the triple Qs yesterday? Not really. No. Um I just started with the spies and the IWMs. I'm not in any rush to buy a whole bunch of puts. Not like I think the bubble blowing bull market that we've been riding for seven years is over. And just catch your breath a little bit, buy some puts, put a little hedge on. 
I, I quote this all the time for training with Cody subscribers, and it's one of my favorite lessons that I've learned on Wall Street from one of my favorite old mentors on Wall Street. That is, his saying was always, may you lose money on all your hedges. Because theoretically, as Trading with Cody subscribers always hear from me, that should mean that the actual portfolio that you're hedging should be going up a whole bunch. And if you've done a good job of hedging, then your gains should outweigh the slight losses you have from the hedges. And then when things don't go right and your hedges do make a whole bunch of money, well, if it were easy, everybody, if it were easy, we'd all be billionaires, billionaire traders. Not just this guy. Another question I've asked before. I don't know if you have here, but anyways, since you are so high on Verizon, I guess high on the stock, not high on Verizon. I wonder if that's a could be a strain of herb or something, right? <laughs> Is that the right phrasing? I don't even know. But could be that. Anyway, since you are high on Verizon, as I am, why are you only mildly positive about buying their very long-term calls? You've said, quote, I can think of worse things to do. Why not do it or recommend it, even though they've done well since another subscriber first asked you? I don't want, look, we don't always have to be greedy. And truly the reason why is this. Look, I would think over the next three to five years that Verizon goes up triple. Now, if I buy call options that expire in three or four years and the stock is only up 50%, I might lose everything on those call options because if, you know, you might have bought it $75 strike prices or something, even if you bought them at $60 strike prices, let's say the stock goes up 20% and that's it over the next five years. Plus we get paid five or 6% dividend holding it the entire time, maybe 7% dividend in five years if it's still at 60 bucks or something. So I'll be pocketing dividends and compounding my gains on those and hopefully getting another 20 or 30% from the stock in the worst case scenario there. Meanwhile, you've got 100% losses on those call options. That's why. There's risk, added risk, lots of added risk when you buy options, any call options, any put options, selling them, trading them, butterfly spreads, Gilligan Island flips. Made that one up. There's always risks. I think I might, that'd be sort of funny. You know what I might do? I might start writing about on like Market Watch, Wall Street Journal, thestreet.com, talk about it on TV and hype this whole new concept, this technical analysis trick that I've learned called Gilligan Island flips that doesn't even exist. Just made it up with you guys right now. We're all on an inside joke. Not that funny of an inside joke, I guess. The guy adds now, yeah, Cody, but the Verizon calls are almost triple what they were when, if you bought them two to three months ago, even with the minimal rise in the equity to date. 
Well, thanks for the 2020 hindsight there, dude. Yeah, if you bought them at the bottom and the stock went up 30% quickly, well, yeah, you got a nice gain on them. But there's still risk. There's Yes, there's you could be rewarded handsomely. And let's say you bought those and the stock does triple. You could have tenfold gains on those call options. But I just, I'm telling you, the risk-reward scenario for me, that's not there for me. I mean, maybe you throw one-tenth of one percent of your capital at it. Then it doesn't matter. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go crazy with call options. You've never seen me go crazy with call options. See me do some occasional stuff. But and this one, maybe this is the perfect scenario. I don't know. Wait till the stock takes a hit. Next time Verizon and the stock market gets hit and goes down to 45%, you go buy those call options, and then you watch. The stock won't move for six months. And then you'll be down 30% on them, and you're going to be like, oh, I shouldn't have bought those call options. Meanwhile, we're even on our Verizon, and we got 2.5% dividend over those six months. Any last questions? Let's check emails here. Question for Cody. Crap. Another one. Okay. Cody, I have gone to this company that supplies Verizon. And this guy is asking, he's trying to understand what their software is providing. Doesn't really get it. So let's step back and look. 15, 17 years ago, 18 years ago, I worked at a, in a tech incubator, and one of the things that we incubated was Nortel, the telecom equipment supplier, was an investor in this incubator. And one of the things we were doing was building free space optical networks and designing fiber-to-the-home networks. And even back then, there was this technology that was at that point, somewhat burgeoning. Um, that's called passive optical networks. And what it means, the word passive in there means that it's not driven by software. It's not driven by chips. It's much of what happens inside of the switches are literally driven by splitting lasers through prisms and things and getting more bandwidth and turning it into readable pulses of light um, in this passive optical network. And the way this you need to picture this company's products is you, let's break down the telecom network a little bit. You've got the core, and that's where, you know, the Internet, sort of the cloud itself, right? I mean, that's you've got backhaul. You've got in Albuquerque or Dallas or New York City, all of those even just old-fashioned telephone calls and all of the internet live streaming and typing and anything you're doing gets funneled into these giant cores. And those things are fiber optic cables that hundreds and thousands of strands of fiber optic cables that then have hundreds and thousands of different light wavelengths that are split to create even more capacity. And that's the core. That's not where this company is supplying. The companies that supply there 
um, are still like Lucent and Nortel, of course, but there's uh, Sienna, um, Ericsson, lots of these companies, and that's the core, okay? Even Juniper and Cisco. Cisco, and those are their main routers. Those are in the core of the network. Juniper's routers are not necessarily in the core, but that's the next step here. Let's move to. Then you've got sort of the metro, okay? It's called the metro optical network, a metro network. Uh, and that is from the buildings, you're t- taking those pipes, all of those calls, all of the connections, and putting them into pipes that connect the building to the cloud. So in the cities themselves, you've got smaller bundles of fiber optic cables that then also each fiber, each strand of actual cable, each one of those tiny little hair size gla- glass strands then has can have thousands of different lights running through them too. And this is where... This company, the company that we just bought on train with Cody last week, the smaller cap supplier to Verizon, that's where it plays. It plays in this metro area. So you're not going to see it as a customer. It's not the end. It's not like the end user. Then from the metro, you've got to the home. And that can be, in the case of 5G, it's just wireless. In the case of... um, DSL, it's copper pair. In the case of coax cable, in the case of cable internet, it's coaxial cable. Different media, the different medium itself that carries the transmission can be different there um, each in every place, frankly, but most of the metro, most of the core is all fiber optics. And um, that's the passive optical networks and those switches and the platform that drives the passive optical network in many ways are passive because they're not active. There's not a bunch of software driving them. Now, of course, there is a whole bunch of software driving them. Every platform, anything's got software and stuff driving it. So um, that, I hope that answers your question at least a little bit um, and explains how the networks tie in and um, – you know, where we play, we can own a service provider like Verizon. And Verizon, by the way, took fiber to the home. It's called Fios. That product is fiber optic cable taken to someone's actual home. You can have five, you can have 3G, you can have LTE, which is 4G. On At least that's Verizon's version. There's different flavors of 4G and 5G. Um, if you remember the words GSM versus LTE, and um, all of these are based on either CDMA or TDMA, Code Division Multiplexing Access. What's the A stand for in that? I don't remember. have to look up what the A stands for in CDMA. But anyway, guys, I'm not just trying to show off. But I, I'm trying to underscore the fact that these networks are all tied in, and there's all these different platforms, and you've got distribution, you got the, you've got the equipment itself, you've got the people who supply the chips into the equipment, you've got the cell phone suppliers. It all runs in this ecosystem known as the internet and the cloud and the system. There's even a thing called SS7. 
which I've always thought was fascinating. When you dial someone's phone number, the first thing that has to happen is it has to be contacted and start ringing, even in a smartphone. So, anyway, crazy stuff. I was a telecom guy for a while. I wrote the Telecom Connection newsletter, which many of my Trading with Cody subscribers today first subscribed to 15, 17 years ago. I still have Trading with Cody subscribers every year who talk about, Cody, I remember the Telecom Connection newsletter. So at any rate, uh, now my brain hurts. Let's see if there's any more questions in the email. I'm inviting fans to talk. The way the, the interactivity on the phone, on this app works is you have to log into the app at the top bars, at the r top three bars on the top right of the app. Okay, I don't know where that'd be. Um, and then come to the live stream, and then when I invite users to talk, hopefully it'll pop open and be like, hey, you've been invited. Be the first one to respond. And I don't know that it always works because Neil was live streaming on his app using the same thing the other night. And my wife and I were both watching and she was logged in and I was logged in and she only got it the notification to time in once or twice, whereas I got it every time. Strange. Technology drives me bonkers. Never should have gotten this technology business. App business. Whew, doesn't look like I have any other questions in the email. No other questions. Any other questions on the call and or on the app? Last chance. Good, good, good. Ah, oh, darn it. One last question. This one's good, though. Prediction on the Super Bowl. Is that this week? Just kidding. I got bad news for Philly fans. You know what I've decided? I shouldn't talk politics because all I do, I, I don't like Democrats or Republicans, right? Like I'm fine that whole regime. And so all I do is make everybody mad because most people are Republican or Democrat. So what good is this? Just avoid topic, the topic. Meanwhile, maybe this is the same thing. I know there's Philly fans, but I got bad news for you guys. I actually, I wouldn't just take the, I, I, I wouldn't just take Patriots. I mean, I think Patriots are going to run this game up. I mean, it could be 45-10. I'm thinking 49-6, 37-13. I say 24-point spread. 21. 20, I'll take a 20-point spread, and that's still aggressive enough. I feel, I'll feel great about it if it turns out I'm right. Bet it. I got you want to know the best way place to put $10,000 right now, Mike? Forget Verizon. Forget Intel. Forget Carl, the supplier to Verizon. It's the Patriots and Bitcoin. That was a joke. I would not bet $10,000. Even if I was a billionaire, I would not bet $10,000 on a football game. It's better uses for it. Go give someone some money. Go help someone out. Go donate it to a Republican or Democrat. <sighs> Not. Thanks, guys. Peace, love, and happiness. Fight the powers. Be, think free. Be, what's the other words I always write? I'm beat. Good night. got the same old thing on a block, and I got the acid rock. You kidding? You be giving it up.
and keep on giving while I'm living it up myself. I'ma take from the poor and give to the rich and double high deep. I dig every ditch and then be good in the game like Joplin until I'm violated or quit. And I'll be living it up and keep on living while you giving it up.